All right, so Brett, you were, you are, but performance coach, author, keynote speaker. You started at Athletes Performance Institute in Arizona with Verstegen, right? Which then became Exos. Um, but then you started uh, the Art of Coaching Apprenticeship, which is a two-day clinic. Can you get into detail? Can you explain that a little bit to us? Right. So, yeah, after I graduated from Kansas State University, I went intern at Athletes Performance in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, so I was down there at first, then did another uh, kind of volunteer experience at the University of Nebraska working with football, uh, Division One football, all that kind of immersed in that. Afterwards, got my master's degree with an emphasis on motor learning. And during that time, Don, I worked with uh, eight different sports, football, baseball, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's golf, swimming and diving. And that was really an awesome opportunity to kind of sharpen my craft because you're programming like crazy, coaching like crazy. It's very immersive. From there, I went on to athletes performance back to Pensacola to work with a lot of military, even worked with youth, college, high school, pro. And then eventually that led me to take over the pro sports side of things at the uh, Arizona location. So worked hand in hand. Uh, trying to rebuild the NFL kind of program, uh, continue to try to uh, provide direction with the major and minor league baseball side of things. And then, yeah, after I uh, decided to kind of go a different path around 2015, started uh, the Bridge Human Performance and Art of Coaching, which is really just a coach development company. So we help organizations, sports teams, coaches and leaders of all kinds work on the social skills inherent to leadership and coaching. I think it was on a different podcast. You spoke about this and I, and I, I didn't get to the whole story. When you were 15, did you have, uh, did you fall into depression or did something happen at, when you were around 15? Was it a divorce of your parents or something? And it really kind of led you into, uh, into fitness. I was a competitive athlete in high school and a lot of my friends around my sophomore year turned to hardcore drugs. Uh, and I'm not talking about casually, you know, drinking or smoking a, a joint, you know, in their parents' basement. We're talking about cocaine, meth, things like that, you know. And this was a group that I really didn't like all of a sudden for the first time in my life, my social circle that I had been predominantly involved with had changed rapidly. So, you know, I didn't really know how to handle that. I channeled it into training because this was a competitive high school with athletics. Around that same time, you're right my parents were going through a divorce, right? And so every other night I was staying either with my mom or my dad, joint custody. And like, I just had a lot of anxiety and a lot of anger. And that eventually just manifested itself into an obsession with training because that was the only thing I could do to get that out. You know, I was doing Christian Bale, American Psycho style, like push-ups and sit-ups every night, working out after school, going to the health club that night, running five miles or 10 miles after leg day just to see... It was like exercising your demon, pun intended. Um, eventually, uh, you know, I got to a point where I had blacked out and I had lost so much weight and done so much damage internally because at the time I was also eating low carb. Like that's a great idea for a 15-year-old, right? But that's what a lot of the magazines said to do. And I was put in an inpatient hospital for a year of my life. To, uh, I was in a cardiac arrest ward, having a lot of issues with my heart, uh, experienced near heart failure. But yeah, put shortly, you know, without, again, boring anybody, because it's probably 50 pages in my book, um, you know, that experience compelled me to want to learn more about how to train the body the right way. What's your response to coaches out there that say, well, there's no such thing as under training, uh, overtraining, but there's just under underresting? These are usually the same people that want to debate which type of squat is better to no end, right? Like they're people that can't see the forest through the trees. Um, you know, you can call it whatever you want. The bottom line is that the body needs 
adaptable levels of stress and you can't quote unquote go hard all the time. Now there's people that can mentally put themselves in a state where they are going hard, but that's the beauty of the science behind what we do, right? You're going to see power output decline. You're going to see movement quality decline. You're going to see all these other things, energy utilization decline. So by all means go out there, you know, like if somebody thinks that they're game enough, go out there and go out all the time, but actually keep some stats, keep some stats on how it's degrading your performance over time because it's inarguable. No one has ever won that battle is what I'm trying to say. But isn't it when, isn't it then the coaches uh, or the coach that you should recruit that should tell you that you're doing it completely wrong? Like that's kind of what, exactly what you guys are saying. Like this is a terrible way to approach it. But if you are just not smart enough to do that or you have a terrible coach or a lazy coach, which is something that Brett has actually written about um, that I want to talk about, uh, isn't that really kind of like what their issue is there? Coach development's in a pretty dark place because most people either coach the way they were coached when they were athletes or they find somebody that they view or, or perceive to be successful and they mimic them. I mean, think about it, guys. How many clinics have you been to that talk about nutrition and, and performance and movement and, and training and then compare that against how many clinics out there deal with coaching science, communication, checking your cognitive bias at the door, decision-making. There are trainers and their coaches. Any, yeah. any, any, any uh, Joe Blow can turn around and take a CSCS certification over a month span and pass it and, and can retain all that information and be a trainer. Right. But to be a coach, what Brett does, probably as good as anyone on the planet, is he has the ability to go in to each individual and he can probably from a minimal from a minimalistic approach be able to put that person from point A to point B in the easiest fashion possible. That's that that's coaching. Coaching is social endeavor, right? Like you can take away a lot of equipment in any training facility, but if you take away the communicate to uh, the ability to communicate verbally or non-verbally, there's no exchange going on, right? But also what what it is that you're 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 training people to do, it's it's bigger than just sports or fitness, right? Because you're going to what you just said, you're going to Wells Fargo. I'm assuming it's not to teach them how to use Excel. Um, so <laughs> it's, you know, so you're probably taking a lot of what you've learned and in, 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 in what you, uh, you know, ha- help athletes discover or help them coach them. And you're going to apply that to the business world. Is that true? Right. I, I think one thing that's always bugged me is you look at kind of the, the greater field out there, the people that tend to do uh, TED Talks, the people that do consulting. And we see, academics represented. We see members of the United States Special Forces represented, right? Like folks, great people like Jocko Willink. We see people that are actors that are doing these things, but there's very few people in our community that are taking the lessons they've learned and applying them to business and bigger picture leadership things. And that's why the company is called Art of Coaching. It's not the art of strength and conditioning and the art of fitness. So I've gone and I've had the pleasure of working with folks like Facebook and Microsoft and now Wells Fargo, because you know what? They deal with the same buy-in related issues. They deal with the same kind of people problems. With athletes, and I'm not trying to, to single them out, but some of their egos are probably a lot bigger than some of the people that are rolling around in you know, uh, Facebook or uh, Wells Fargo. So some of the, I'm sure that must give you some, you know, a lot of a different experience uh, than, than they're used to. Yeah, you'd like to think so, right? And that's what I think makes our job so special. You have to deal with very unique personalities at their most vulnerable, right? Like think about the folks you guys have worked with. We often don't see them at their best. We see them tired, exasperated. They feel like they've got it, you know, we don't see them at their best. And so it's easy for them to get defensive. It can be easy for them to be reclusive and kind of hide out. The tough thing is, is helping the corporate world understand that we're all not just a bunch of muscle bound idiots running around telling people to do one more push up, right? I think that's been the biggest barrier of people saying, hey, like, yeah, we want to have you come speak, but what exactly is a strength coach again? 
and that's where our field has kind of failed on a branding standpoint. We don't always come across as the most professional. We come across as just health gurus and we've got to work on that, but you're right. Dealing with those egos and insecurities is a tremendous asset that people need to run to not run from. Do you remember, and you don't have to name them, uh, but you could, if you wanted to, the biggest (laughs) ego that you've worked with, the person that had the biggest ego. And was there somebody that you refused to work with because they had such an attitude? Don, you want to go first? I've been talking a lot. I can't mention his name. Yes. Out of the gate, um, there was years ago, years ago, I worked with, um, I met this guy. He called me into his boardroom. Um, uh, He was a a referral. And I was sitting there in the meeting for the first time in my life. I mean, I've been doing this professionally for 20 years. And I just said, man, this isn't going to work out. Like, I could just tell it wasn't going to work out. And um, it was probably the one time that I was ever wrong with that because he ended up moving on to be one of my favorite human beings. And I just realized at that point, when you're dealing with someone who's high powered on day one, it's very tough for them to show their vulnerabilities. All conflict happens within context. So one thing I've learned to try to do is if, if I am dealing with a certain personality like that, I try to discern the context. Is it a situational thing, right? Where they throw like, let's, let's use a variety of examples just to help the audience. Right. There were, there were little kids I worked with that mom and dad signed them up. Right. So these kids like, they were anxious, ambivalent, you know, they didn't want to be there. That's a situational conflict, right? There's been physical context examples. Like, like I said, I, I worked with somebody that had lost limbs and, you know, this is a, a person not that far removed from surgery. And the first few days, right, they might be angry. They might be reclusive. Well, who wouldn't be? That's a major life-changing experience, you know, and then there's cultural context as well, right? Like I, I've worked with athletes in more than 40 different, 40 countries and the way you coach in one country is going to be looked at completely different than the way in another. So the answer is yes. I've dealt with those things. What the difference is now, I don't take it as a personal affront. I try to detach and think what's the preceding context around this and how can I, you know, how can I work from here to make sure that this doesn't manifest itself in something bigger. We haven't once brought up sets and reps Mm -hmm. yet. We're in an industry right now where everyone wants the program and you know, People are always publishing. What does so and so do? I don't know about you, but writing writing a program is something that that I've been doing for twenty plus years. There's no magic program, yet everyone wants it. And a lot of ninety nine percent of the time, if I write a template, I really just call it a template because I don't want them to think or ever believe that that's something that's in stone. How often are you deviating off of that? What's going to make the biggest difference in a program? Any program. Well, it's one's commitment to it and the effort they give to that program, right? We could all have the same program right now. And by and large, the success of that program is going to vary based on, of course, nutritional factors, sleep recovery and also, but also how that person attacks it. The results you get are ultimately mitigated by somebody's uh, commitment and effort applied to that program. And so talk about working backwards. You got to deal with the person before you're going to get performance. So yeah, it's like, all right, let's sit here and argue about four by three versus five by three versus this bar and that bar. It's like, good Lord, apply overload. Lift weights at different speeds in different ways in different volumes at different velocities, different times a year. Do you feel from uh, from the coaching element though, some people, some of your uh, athletes that you work with do really well with a type A personality of here, let's, let's follow this progressions, percentages, et cetera, and, and other people that you coach, man, you know what, if, if they know that plan is laid out so far in advance, their performance is going to be hindered because of boredom. Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, I, I used to do everything off strict percentages, but then the issue is, is you can really, you know, I got a guy right now, he's a defensive lineman for the Jets. And if I laid out a percentage, a strict percentage, and he didn't hit it, it, it screws him up the rest of the workout. He feels like, you know, he's worth 
So I, I advocate going off ranges way more than I do like, a, but yeah, without a doubt, like there are certain people that are like, yo, just tell me what to do. And there's other people that want to know to the nth degree, how many meters per second they're moving the bar, you know, and, and you got to adjust to both of those things. I'd like to open it up to both of you too. Is there, is there certain uh, movements or certain things that you just refuse to put into any programming period, like that you've just thrown out? I'll name three or four here. And again, this depends if the person's getting involved in a competition where they got to do these things or what have you, right? Like for example, a behind the neck push press, I am not going to program for the vast majority of the population. If that person's getting ready for a weightlifting competition, sure. It's like, there's always an obsession, although not so much in the athlete community with, with burpees, you know, and stuff like that. And there's just a lot of, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, <laughs> cool. just, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. I'm going to pick on this woman now and I actually feel bad too. I'm going to say her name, but Alexia Clark's one of them. I mean, she's, she considers herself the queen of workouts and I'm sorry, I'm going to piss someone off right now, but it really is a culmination of say three or four different movements that's combined and the move and the woman moves well. And the, the problem is that I feel like it's, it's irresponsible as a trainer, a coach to put that stuff up because now she's setting an expectation out there to some woman or some guy who can't move anywhere nearly as well as she can. When they should be focusing on more of the basics, she should be focusing more on the basics, but instead it's becoming more about sexiness and selling something that's cool and different. Probably the thing that burns my ass the most, which, cause you know, I'm heavy on social, but what am I trying to do on social? It's yeah, I want to deliver a level of education of people but i also understand you know what the shirt's got to come off once in a blue moon you know we got to put some stuff up that looks interesting yeah i know i, I want to hang myself half the time when i'm, when I'm doing because because uh, i am somewhat of a purist but the reality is it's too much in that direction and i feel yeah. like it's setting a bad example for where this industry is going now you have editors looking at a woman or a guy who's posting things because it looks cool, not because that person went and worked at AP for five years or Exos for another five years and has trained the military and has trained wounded warriors. Or, you know what I'm saying? So and Boyle, yeah. Mike Boyle says it to me. He goes, you know what, Don? If I'm on the beach right now with my shirt off, no one's going to come up to me and ask me for fitness advice that doesn't know me. And I says, Mike, I will, if it makes <laughs> you feel any better. And we had a laugh about it. But what's your response to that? I'll be somewhere and nobody will pay me any mind. And then somebody's like, Oh, didn't you write conscious coaching? And now all of a sudden you have a bunch of people around you. We live in a superficial culture. You know, like I, I spoke probably for six to seven years before anybody gave a shit what I had to say. And then all of a sudden you put out a book that does reasonably well and people want to talk to you, but you're right. Like just because you can do a reverse lunge to skater bound to jumping jack to push up upside down backflip, you know, it's like, what the hell? Like, and, and you know, it's, we're feeding a consumer culture. And that's the bad thing about it. You need to be making people think critically. And that's why I always do spring cleaning, Don, each year on my like social media. I'm like, yo, if you're looking for puke inducing workouts, stuff that's crazy, you know, whatever, like unfollow, I'll save you the trouble. Like, just please unfollow. Like, and does that cost me a following for sure? But like, I also try to think long-term, right? Like Instagram's probably not going to be around until the day that I die. And I know my account is not going to get 1 million people. Why? Because I'm posting just thoughts shit that's going to make like you got to hold yourself accountable honest reflections and that stuff is never going to go viral the stuff that's going to go viral is the stuff that you're talking about because it captures 
the borrowed mind of these people that just need novelty or aren't discerners. Well, Brad, I know for a fact what you're offering is 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 invaluable. I mean, I would I, I'm offering you my club for free to come teach at if you ever want to come in and, and host a course in that. New York City because this is this is invaluable stuff. Too much emphasis is put onto the sets and reps, and not enough emphasis is put into the execution of what it is people are trying to do. Sometimes that demon still rears its head, right? Like I'll be training in the garage, I'm just trying to get something in, maybe I have to catch a flight later, and then all of a sudden, what do you know? I start letting old meathead Brett creep back into my head, and I'm doing another set. Now I'm almost late for my flight, and I'm like, why? You know, it's hard to shake, man, it's hard to shake. I just wanna bring up one thing quickly. Yes. Uh, you have a nonprofit organization too, don't you, that you, uh, that, that you started? Yeah. And yeah, you guys did your research. I appreciate that. Movement to be, um, and it helps underage kids. How did this come about, and uh, you know, what, what is it that it does specifically? Yeah, a close friend of mine, Kara Scholl, we actually worked together at Athletes Performance Now, Exos. You know, she had said she really wanted to do something to help kids at a deeper level, especially in underserved and underprivileged communities. And she wanted to know if I'd be on the board for it, you know, especially from a coach education standpoint and a guidance, leadership, mentorship, and just helping these kids really understand how to incorporate proper movement through play because that's the vehicle most of them are going to have, right? And uh, God bless her. She's based out of New York, and she's always trying to find more and more coaches that want to make a big impact on that. So that was a no-brainer to get into. And then she's trying to fill coaching spots so quickly by marrying movement to be with art of coaching, we're able to kind of help bridge that gap a little bit, right? Because everybody's in different places in their coaching journey. And it must feel really cool to, to do that. I mean, I know that, you know, you don't do it for the pats on the back, but it must feel very fulfilling when you can be that piece of the puzzle for some, some child that, w that wouldn't, wouldn't get that type of guidance. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely no, there's definitely no pats in the back with, right? Like with a, with a, a non-for-profit and it's funny, all people on Instagram that'll be, they'll chirp me, they'll be like, oh, cause I, I think we, my wife and I bought a new car this year and they're like, oh, is that all the money you got from your book royalties? And I'm like, well, actually buddy, the book royalties is the small amount that I make, go to help support nonprofit. I also donate a lot to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and Alzheimer's and stuff like that. I just think, you know, what there are a, a lot jerk. of non out there that, <laughs> right, yeah, I'm an ass. Damn right? you like, for buying a new yeah. car, you know? It's just My books are whopping $10 on Kindle or $20 for a paperback. <laughs> I think I maybe see two to three of those. So yeah, you know me, I'm just floating in it. That engagement, it's also told me where to spend most of my time, right? I accept Instagram and certain what it is. On the other hand, I know my newsletter people are locked in. The newsletter people, so then that's right. I'll do some stuff on Instagram, but you're gonna get my best stuff on my newsletter. Your newsletter is you dialed in. You've actually motivated Thanks, me. Man. I just put my first newsletter, not to interrupt, I put my, I, I, I kind of upgraded my newsletter a bit and you gotta read his newsletter. I'm, I'm gonna it, go it looks now. like, it, legitimately, it looks like you spend about a week on every newsletter. I mean, it is dialed it, in, really impressive. I didn't even know you were a part of it. I feel, all right. I am, I am. It is the, it is by far, by a landslide, the most detailed newsletter by any coach I've ever seen put out. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it impressive. It means a lot, man. Thank it's you. Impressive. It means a lot. Well, well done. Well, how about uh, this? Can you let us know where we can find you and uh, where we can sign up for the newsletter, where we can get you on social media, all that stuff? Yeah, really easy. I've, tried, I've worked hard to consolidate this so it's clean. You can find the podcast, newsletter, uh, YouTube, every single thing just at artofcoaching.com. Artofcoaching.com. Of course, I have my own personal site too, brettbartholomew.net. That's more speaking and stuff like that. But artofcoaching.com will direct you to free downloads, newsletters, everything. And then on social media, I'm most active on Instagram. 
It's just at coach underscore Brett B. And all that's linked on artofcoaching.com as well. Listen, brother, I believe in what you're doing, man. I'm a, I'm Thank a, you. I'm a, I'm a huge fan to anyone who's a great person, one, but really um, becomes in, uh, you, know, you know, passionate about their craft and trying to learn and trying to educate. If, if someone out there is not following this guy, you better be because um, he's where it's at right, right now. So thank you for everything, man. You want to close out? Yeah, this is episode... 845 no, we broke a thousand I thought shoot or whatever let's broke move a on. thousand <laughs> episode a thousand you can get us uh, reps at musclefitness.com if you want to send an email at Z-Raz at Don Saladino Brett Bartholomew thank Guys, you very much man you.